Blog Talk Radio. My man, come on! Two and a half million people that were on Broadway cheering for us and celebrating along with us. That's something that was one of the most exhilarating moments in my, my life, in my career. Gary Gentry, Gary Cruzman, Nolan Ryan, Chris Benson, Phil Negro, Charlie Hubbard, Peterson joins us. Good weekend, everybody. It's uh, the Cult of Mets Personalities featuring... Some of the guys from KindnessCorner.com and around the net, I am Nick Kalidas, and I am joined by my two esteemed uh, colleagues and uh, fellow sufferers in Metville, uh, Mr. Gene Anthony and hello. Mr. David Singer. Hello. Hello, gentlemen. What's up, gentlemen? How is it going? Been too long. I'm pretty good. Yeah, hasn't it been? Um Let's uh, let's let's catch up before we get into all this uh, this stuff. Um, yeah, just either one of you guys, whoever wants to go first, just to update uh, update us and everybody else about kind of what you're up to uh, and what you've been up to this uh, off season. All right, I'll, I'll jump in just because I know Gene is formulating a lot of thoughts, and uh, he's just had a couple <laughs> incidents with some tissues in the last few minutes, so you might need a breather. <laughs> <laughs> So, so life is good. I think you guys might know. You know, I became a grandfather. But a uh, cool story was last week I went to the Dominican Republic, where I had never gone to before. I'm sure everyone's been. But I had. And so I went on a golf trip with a bunch of buddies of mine. And as we get picked mm-hmm. up from the airport, I'm talking to the driver. And I'm like, where is this San Pedro de Macorís? you know, this town where all these baseball players came from? And uh, literally, it was like three miles ahead of us, so I made him drive us through the town, which was great. And you could see, like, in the surrounding area, all the little complexes and the spring training facilities um, that the um, major league clubs had built. So we get to the resort, Casa de Campo, which is tremendous. And there's all these beautiful homes lining the golf course. And, uh, you know, my Spanish is terrible, but I was talking to my caddy, and he's like, that's Albert Pujol's house, and that's Jose Reyes' house, and that's... I mean, he was, like, naming all these famous players that had homes on this Keep of the Dog golf course we played. So that was kind of cool, and that definitely got me, you know, pumped up for a great baseball season. So life is great. It's awesome to talk to you guys. Again, I've missed you a bunch. Yeah, absolutely. Gene, Gene, what's uh, what's new with you? What uh, Any adventures? Well, unlike one-dimensional Dave, I've gone to several countries <laughs> over the last uh, time we talked. This little place called Epcot. So you can go to Epcot, mm. you can go to Germany, you can go to all these spots. And so unlike Dave, who actually goes to the place, I go to a proxy. And the proxy place is just as good. And, and I saw a guy that looked like Albert Pujols and another guy that looked like Carl Beltran. <laughs> he had a smaller mole, but I didn't, you know, I didn't talk to him or anything, but I did get his autograph. I just said, you know, can you sign this in, in sign language? And he did it. And that's just been about it. How about you, Nick? Wait, wait, who signed it or the mole signed it? Did the mole sign for itself? (laughs) The the mole signed for itself, yeah, and it just put, like, mole. (laughs) Like, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys listen to Howard Stern, but, like, you know, Jeff's Lump, it just said mole, so. There we go. What what language did did it actually, what language did they use down there? Was it uh, a dialect of some, 
you know, was it Swahili or something like that? I mean, what do they have their own language or their own kind of way down there? The mole? Oh, the mole. Well, the mole, I assume, has a completely <laughs> different <laughs> sort of way of communicating. But I bet just this Epcot place you've been to, this, yeah. this yeah, yeah. very it's, rare it's country. A, it's there. A, yeah, it's, it's several countries. You know, you've got to be mm-hmm. eclectic like me. And so there's, when I walk from one place to the next, I just speak the language. And a lot of it's nodding and pointing <laughs> and stuff. But, I, you know, I get mm-hmm. stuff like I order food and I get different food. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of like what they do in those other countries. Uh, so I just point and click. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they they sort of know what you want, even if you don't know what you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want something else, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. It's sort of like a deli. I have to... You go in there and say, you know, no ketchup, <laughs> and they put ketchup on there, and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, of course. just make it the way you want it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, was it like a deli where they just kind of pile just a pound of sandwich meat on, so you just don't get any condiments and things of that nature? Or was it just the uh, inaccuracies, you know, sort of the inaccuracies, what you want? Yeah. Rather? Ah, okay. And they say that, that's what we do at Epcot. So, ah, got it, got it. That's um, so that's Epcot, right? That's uh, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, <laughs> south of North Carolina, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's good to talk to you guys too. It's it's been a while, too long. Ah, excellent. I um, it's funny. I spent some time on the uh, West Coast. Um, Doing some some different uh, different things, and, I, and for a couple of days, a few days there, I uh, got a chance for the first time to ever go uh, to Honolulu, which um, I don't know if you guys have been there, but it's the first time I've ever been to Hawaii, and I had sort of a preconceived notion of what the place was. And um, uh, have you, have either of you guys been there before, or uh, or no? They've yeah, been everywhere. So you pro- I assume so, right? Yeah, you probably yeah, helped yeah, build I did, Hawaii, I right? Did, I did. <laughs> Yeah, my 10th wedding anniversary, we went to uh, Honolulu and Maui, which is great. It's a great place. Yeah, Ma- Maui, I've, I've heard a lot about. I, I just have one question since you've been there, too. What, What is the obsession with spam? My God, the whole place smelled like cat food. Like, there's a – there's <laughs> oh, my dear Lord, man. It's I was expecting something kind of – this exotic sort of food that I – I don't know what where I might have gotten that preconceived notion from, but they just love spam. Spam everywhere. Well, dude, I'm dude. I'm married to a Korean, and Koreans, mm-hmm. like their uh, Hawaiian brethren, are enamored with salted pork products. So mm-hmm. we always have a little spam <laughs> in the house, and I've grown to like it over the last thirty years. <laughs> oh God, help me! I felt like they should have served it to me in those little crystal bowls, like uh, they do like, expensive cat food. You know, a little like Morris. I felt like Morris. That's anyway. So that's that's what I've been up to. Um, so, Gene, hey, I uh, I don't know if anyone's ever – anyone that's met Gene sort of knows that Gene is basically Mickey Calloway. So, dude, how's it been managing the team so far? Has it been what you expected? It's – it's well, we do a lot of fishing. So, uh, you know, <laughs> once we get done with you – know, so I'm out on a boat right now. So if I break up, you know, but other than that, you know, just getting the guys together. You know, we just do guy things. So, yeah. <laughs> Nobody gotcha. thinks I could do it, yeah. but at least I didn't do a boon and forget to put a picture in. So, small detail. I got to wa- enjoy watching yeah. the Bronx uh, implode this year. Um, anyway, anyway, that's uh, wishful thinking. But so, so, so I guess, man, I, I I'm tempted to just go with you know, are are you optimistic? But I guess there's so many little details to get into because we haven't spoken in a while. Um, 
let let me let's start here. Let's start with like kind of some of the the basics. I know we're sort of you know for the most part in agreement. The staff is sort of exciting in a different way, but the the free agent market, you know, because that's obviously has a lot to do with everything because it's kind of polarizing and the Wilpon sort of kind of dip their toe in, but you know, they're sort of, ta- I think at least they're sort of taking a bow just by taking advantage of the, some advantage of the system. So let me ask you this, right? Starting uh, with you, Dave, like, do you feel given the way the market evolved and obviously you couldn't kind of figure out that Mustak is going to get 7 million, but given how it evolved, are you happy with what they did, I mean, or do you feel like they could have done more? Are you frustrated at all, or are you sort of satisfied? Yeah, I'll say I'm sort of satisfied. You know, I think the Mets kind of played a little bit of a slow hand, but the market took forever to develop. But, you know, getting the free agents they got, getting, you know, Jay Bruce back and Todd Frazier, seeing what he's going to do, they went with a lot of kind of reclamation projects uh, for what we thought was a low price. But then you see Arietta and Sakis and, you know, Lynn, and it's, it's just crazy what those guys wound up signing for. But, you know, that's kind of crystal ball. Nobody could have predicted that. So, overall, you know, and I, I watched a little bit of the game today. When I'm looking at this lineup kind of up and down, you know, mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of question marks in regards to, you know, health and these guys are a bit older. But, you know, we got kind of a banger, bomber type lineup that could really support the pitching staff. So, all in all, I'm happy. And, uh, you know, if, if the catching, um, you know, the catching plays out and Rosario has a good year, the Mets are going to be good this year. I mean, Conforto, you know, some of the young guys are, are up and rising. But uh, as far as the free agents, you know, overall, I'm happy. I like, I like guys that can bomb. What do you think, Gene? Yeah, I mean, you know, you've had – well, the thing is, when Arietta signs, even if the Mets could have got picked him up for cheap, you know, there's, where was he going to fit? <clears throat> and so when I'm looking at what they did in the offseason and, and the Frazier move I liked two years ago, I really liked it, but this year I liked it mm-hmm. um, because beyond his hitting, I mean, he gives you a solid third-base glove. And it also yeah. allows Reyes and Flores now to be – a deep bench. And, you know, Nick, you've always said, you know, the team is not deep at all. And mm-hmm. this is probably the deepest team that we've had. Even even without Conforto, this is a very deep team. We're, we might be thinner in the outfield than in the past, but you really want your depth in the infield. And there's a lot working here. So I think they did good. I mean, they were slow. They were slow moving, and they played it out right. And I don't know if it was money or if it was just their approach, but – um, you know, I, I'm, I'm satisfied. And, and like Dave said, for this pitching staff, the pitching staff is deep too. I mean, mm-hmm. you have at least two guys that can go down on the starting staff and probably be okay. We said that uh, last winter and the winter before too as well. I mean, <laughs> we lost a lot of people. We, I remember having a conversation about being eight or nine deep, and, and I, I mean, I was in the front of that line basically saying that there's just no, no, almost no mathematic way we can possibly, <laughs> could possibly have a problem because of the amount of pitches we had. And I, uh, I, I, I learned about baseball a little bit more, which was really interesting. But, yeah, isn't that, I mean, it's kind of where we were. I mean, what – um, I mean, I, obviously, I think everyone has a few things that come to mind. But just just to piggyback right on that, what do you think? What do you think is the difference from from a pitching standpoint uh, between this year's depth and last year's? 
in spring training? Oh man, that, that's a yeah, that's a tough one. You know, I think you know there's there's been health questions coming into every season, and certainly this year is no different. You know, we've seen the good and bad Harvey. Although even yesterday it wasn't horrible. Of course, you know Stanton hit that, that freaking bomb off of him. Uh, but Harvey's looked okay. The guy that I'm mm-hmm. very pleasantly surprised with right now is Wheeler. I think he looks mm-hmm. good. Um, DeGrom mm-hmm. looks great, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's the typical kind of health thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one could have predicted Syndergaard last year. He looks fantastic. So I think there's not a lot of differences because we've had some kind of health questions the last year or two. Mm-hmm. But going mm-hmm. in this year, it just seems like these guys are, like, maturing into their bodies. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of young pitchers, when they're 22, 23, they kind of, you know, you don't know what you're going to get, and they're learning about themselves and maturing and filling out to men. And now that they're like 25, 26, 27, 28, I think, you know, mm-hmm. they are what they're going to be. And I think the odds of getting those 180, 200, 210 inning seasons out of them mm-hmm. um, are, are there. So that that's what gets me excited that, We've said this before, but if, if there's going to be a year where these guys do truly gel, it's going to be this year. Um, just to kind of throw one quick thing in there before I pass it to um, to Gene. You know the you know I, the start with Harvey against the Yankees. I you know I looked a little deeper into it because I know that I, I heard um, if you get rid of just some of the big articles and just kind of look at some of the people that actually saw the performance. A lot of people kind of said it doesn't really. Uh, not, just looking at the stat line doesn't really give you an accurate representation of how he actually pitched. And the one thing that I heard that Callaway said, which was interesting, is that he's not giving players scouting reports um, until later in spring training. So everything that we've seen is basically are basically pitchers um, working on either certain types of pitches, but he basically removed their ability to be strategic. And I guess, I mean, I would love to hear you guys' opinion as far as what the what you think the mentality behind that actually is with the, the, the um, end game. But I mean, for me, it seems like it's almost getting them back to just when they used to be, you know, kind of in high school or whichever else, just sort of mapping out a plan in your head, not having so much info, maybe not overthinking things and being more, let's say, I mean, I know Harvey was working on his fastball the other day against the Yankees. So perhaps if he has a scouting report on Stanton, he'll try to get him out at, just as opposed to, he's got no idea what to throw, just throw fastballs, and he ends up getting knocked, you know. But, you know, that's that's the thing. So I saw that one caveat, which I thought was really interesting. So, um, so Gene, just to kind of – with that kind of in mind, does that sort of um, frame his Yankee start a little different, or um, are you interested in that? I mean, is that uh, intriguing to you? Just um, – yeah, just let me know what you think. Well, I mean, if Callaway is as strong as he as I think he is for the pitchers mm-hmm. – um, mm-hmm. Remember what Maddox used to do? Maddox would throw stuff in spring training that he would say, like, just put a false sense of security into people's heads. Like, mm-hmm. here's a fastball down the middle. See what you can do for it. But you'd never see a fastball like that again from him mm-hmm. in the regular season. And, you know, I think, you know, also about the third or fourth start, you have a little, you know, minor dead arm stuff. I don't, I don't care about any one start other than if you come out of the gate slow like Matt's did, and then to be able to recover means more to me than Harvey, what he's going to be able to do when his third or fourth start. So I wasn't freaked out by any of that. And, you know, let's face it. I mean, you're, the National League MVP hits a home run off you. What's the big deal? It's not, you know, 
it isn't as if you have to be as sharp as you'd be um, in Game 7 of the World Series in spring training. And so it might have been a day where they said, work on your fastball, mix in a couple of other pitches, but, you know, don't worry about how hard you get hit. I don't think, you know, as much as people were talking about um, how good Warden was for the players, which we didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. I mean, the players said it. Uh, this pitching coach and the manager now are going to be much different with these guys in terms of kind of the, the cognitive elements of pitching. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that's – that's the big deal for me. And so when I look at the depth of this team from the starting rotation, you pull in a guy. I mean, I wasn't a big Vargas fan, but you have a guy in there now that you know you have some stable starts from, and then you get to be able to push Wheeler and Matt to see who's going to be the fifth, who's going to be able to round up the rotation. And, I mean, to this day, I'll still say, I don't care if Syndergaard strikes out the entire universe, DeGrom is our number one pitcher. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I think part of what it might might be, and I'm a little behind in my reading just because I've been out of the country, but I, I think Callaway is like, you know, without in regard to no scouting reports, it's, you know, go out and get guys out with your best stuff, work on your pitches, work on locating and technique and form and, and body control and, and get to where you're comfortable and you're not here to try to win games and get guys out in spring training, although, you know, you want to get guys out. You, you want to make your best pitches, and they want to evaluate you as far as the staff on being able to throw your best pitch, not being situational, but really being, you know, in that moment where you're in control and, and feeling it. And I like the approach. I think Callaway is kind of like a Yoda for pitchers. I think he sees mm-hmm. things and, and says things and does things that – you know, frankly, you know, Terry and his staff and Worth and just, you know, they kind of got a little bit dry and stale in their approach. So I think it's the right way to go, and I think these guys are responding to it. Well, yeah, by way you, of comparison, it's, though, it's it's more important mm-hmm. for for a Matt to be sharper if he's coming out of the gate slow. And, I mean, especially when he gets that puss on his face. But for, you know, somebody like Harvey, he can come out there and, you know, just – have no report whatsoever and go after him. Yeah. Well, I mean, let me let me ask you this: the end game, um, which is really what's sort of intriguing me here. So the, I think, I'm, I mean, I'm just, again trying to think along with Callaway because I think it's also part of the fun of having kind of this sort of cerebral coaching staff. And to me, I mean, it's funny, even though his um, the mantra is basically accountability. I think by not having the scouting reports, it also sort of allows the pitchers to sort of blame something else even in their own head, for why they got hit. So basically, mm-hmm. if uh, if they do well, they can just say, well, look, I didn't even have a scouting report. Look, my stuff is so wonderful because they're relying on their best pitches. If they get hit, then all of a sudden, well, you know, I wouldn't normally throw them these things. I just didn't know what the scouting report was. Because I noticed that we, even though he hasn't been doing it, the only time I've heard him mention out loud that he didn't give the scouting reports out was right after Harvey got bombed. So basically, Callaway took the responsibility for it and sort of so I wonder if it's there's a bit of that the psychology behind giving not having them not get down on themselves because because they have something to kind of pin it on and the flip side to that the well the extension of that kind of and I'd love to know what your opinions are on this too the you know he's got the um, catching cards as well that he has these guys kind of use and he found a really good way it almost reminded me of Rick Peterson of not calling somebody 
like limited, but kind of doing that, which basically saying oh, you, they need cue cards. They just they're just there's too much going on for the brain that's back there. And sort of that's what a lot of this sort of stuff is sort of making me think about. Like I remember um, the way Peterson talked about Ali Perez and trying to find ways to get through to him that were kind of like well talking about maybe dance steps, like you're more of a, like kind of a free, I don't even know what he said, maybe um, rumba or, or like a mambo dancer or something. He just had a way of, a fun way of kind of indicating that Ollie can't be taught. And so, I mean, did you guys get the same sort of vibe that, you know, he's sort of, that's one of his, um, uh, the things he saw when he started to take over and develop a plan. Cause that's, that's the, in general, it's kind of cool where you have somebody from another organization coming in here fresh and looking at everything and by the, the things that they put in place, you can kind of try to decipher what was wrong the last few years, what was lacking. Um, well, uh, Gene, Gene, so, start so, with you. What did you, what did you see? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Gene. yeah. No, go ahead, Dave. You're on something. Go. Oh, Dave. Okay. Well, sure. I, Dave. Yeah. I, I just, I'm sorry to jump in here, cause, and I do want to hear no, one thing, please. Gene. Just real quick, I, I want to tease it out a little bit because my take on it, and, and I'm not sure if I'm interpreting exactly what you're saying, Nick, but I think it's because you know these guys in this in this generation, these guys are pitching coached and trained and uniquely regimented, unlike pitchers of a different era where Tom Seaver is you know calling his own pitches essentially. So I think what Callaway is trying to do is maybe instill in these guys a little bit of thought on accountability, which you said, Nick, for themselves, mm-hmm. right? Where it's not look in the dugout, high high slider, throw a high slider, right? It's getting these guys to battle, mm-hmm. to think for themselves, to to know what they're feeling in the moment. Unlike Ali Perez, who was just a stubborn, you know, freaking son of a bitch. I, you know, we were all frustrated. We could all see him going to the well again and again and again on a curveball that's simply working. <laughs> right. I think this is a little, bit, a little bit different, right, where I think mm-hmm. Callaway and part of his approach is to get these guys mm-hmm. to battle, to get these guys to own their game, to own their pitches, like you see from a Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta is not looking at the dugout to figure out what the fuck he wants to throw next, right? Mm-hmm. He is battling. He knows his body. He knows what's, what's going to work. Sure, you know, these guys want to know what to what throw, in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, this guy's susceptible to an inside high fastball or whatever. But I think what Callaway's trying to instill is a little bit of sense of ownership of the moment for these guys. Just a thought. What do you think, Gene? Yeah, no, I mean, and, and it's trust, too. Like, yes, new guys, you don't ever want to go to a place and say, I can make you better. Here's, you know, you've never seen this before because guys are going to shake their head like, you know what I throw. And for him... I mean, the one guy that he's got to be the most careful with on the staff, and I'm still not bought on, on is, is Matts. Matts has Matt, the Jonathan yeah. niece. The you know one little thing falls off, and he's oh, I knew it. You know, he's and fragile. he's fragile. Yeah, he's very fragile, and he doesn't at all trust his own stuff. I mean, this is a guy that has great stuff. So I think it's a trust building process that that Callaway's doing and I think it's smart. I, I think that he's going through different iterations and he's trying to figure out, you know, how far he can push guys and who will respond to what. It isn't one size fits all. So what you do I mean, the easiest job in the world has to be DeGrom. You know, because DeGrom <laughs> seems like the the perfect baseball player of all time. Just the I want to go out there and compete. I want to win. I want to make people around me better. 
I don't have to be the star. Go ahead. Let Syndergaard be the star. I don't care about that. A little different than Harvey, way different than Matt's. And, you know, the wild card is going to be Wheeler because he really wants to shine. And he's been, you know, he's been projected as a stud and he just hasn't played out yet for, for health reasons. So it could be a situation where you have a Cubs like rotation that these guys, you know, people go, where, where did Wheeler come from? Where, you know, how, did, how did Matt do this? That, that we're all sitting here going, well, we were just waiting for this to happen. And hey, hey, Callaway. Hey, Gene. Gene, check this out. Think about what you just said, you know, and I think when I see him, I see Max as the baby of the family, right, like this spoiled kind of petulant guy. I think DeGrom is the older brother. I think Wheeler is the forgotten middle child. I think Harvey is the spoiled only child. And I think Thor is just the golden child, right? So you could see, like, all their personalities, like you just said, they're just slightly different. So how do you get them all to be DeGrom? It's almost an impossibility. You know, well, Matt, the, the, saving grace, so the saving grace is that he's closest, Matt's is closest with DeGrom. Sooner or later, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rub off. Sooner or later, he's – and he's a guy that can run off six straight great starts. And if you just – you're the best, you're the best, he'll do it. But it's the one seventh inning home run or when they yank him, you know. Yeah, you know, guys, no, I want to ask you. Like a great start and then a, and then a two-inning start where he implodes. And I think Matt's has the second-best stuff on the team. I think his stuff is it's actually so. a little better than DeGrom's and not quite as good as Syndergaard's. But, uh, but yeah, he's ahead. Well, a if, if you compare it to the 86 team, you know, what I liked about the balance of the 86 team is you had a hard-throwing lefty, Sid Fernandez, who could be Matt's. You have a yeah. light-throwing lefty that could be Ojeda. You have – you know, Doc Gooden, you know, that could be Syndergaard. And then you're going to have a Harvey and a DeGrom, which that team didn't have. You know, if you put Darling in there, Darling wouldn't even break his squad. And so, right. you know, Darling is a lot like Matt's, where he gets in his own head, but mm-hmm. for different reasons. And I, I like the balance of the lefty strong, the lefty light, the righty strong, the righty. The other righties aren't, you know, any cream puffs either, but having that balance is going to be a big deal. Let me let me ask you this. This is also along the lines of the rotation. Um, this is a, uh, a concern of mine. I haven't seen it written a lot, so um, perhaps I'm looking at it a little, little off. So I'm curious what you guys think. So obviously the guy, these guys haven't pitched all that much. And uh, for me, I'm looking at um, you know Matt's trying beyond confidence, trying to find his the release point. And Wheeler, I mean, just and it's a very small sample size. I mean, this is been waiting he's been waiting a couple of years to sort of get this feel back and Harvey obviously is is all feel at this point because uh, that's literally what his last injury was not being able to feel his fingertips so the if they're all dealing and it's a big if it's early I know but like if they're all dealing by the ending of the spring the idea of sending one of them out or putting one of them in the pen to me is a really really bad idea um and it's a big if obviously but if you think about it um Obviously, the, these guys can't really give you more than 150 innings this year, if that, because they haven't thrown much in two years. So the innings are there for Vargas, and this is kind of where I'm going with this. But if they're all dealing, and after all this time, it looks like, at least for a short period, we can might actually be able to see a little bit of that potential as a group. Um, is it Does it frustrate you, or is it the wrong move to put Vargas in there in the beginning because we we – 
basically because we signed him and we promised him. I mean, it's, to me, it seems almost counterproductive. If these, he's supposed to be insurance. If these five guys are ready to go, you know, maybe have them continue and sort of build confidence and give them a break later in the year or kind of get creative as the year goes on and then sort of fold Vargas in rather than just right off the damn gate doing that. Because you can't send Wheeler or anybody to Vegas because you're wasting bullets. They're still pitching. They're just not pitching here. So there's no point to it. Um, so, to me, it seems logical. I mean, what is it just the contract, or am I missing something about the reasoning behind Vargas getting a guaranteed spot? Either one of you well, he had the most wins in the American League last yeah. year. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was all in the first so, half, though. I mean, he, he collapsed the second he half. Doesn't, he doesn't have a history of stuff. He's sort of – he's very you know much – You Yeah. You don't sign a guy if you're not ready to – I mean, you don't sign a guy if you're not – you have Matt's, Wheeler – Right. Harvey, who haven't been able to stay on the field, and this guy has been able to stay on the field, how in the world would you bring him here and say you have to earn a spot or in case we need you? um, Well, because that's what he is, isn't he? He's he's security because we didn't – the the odds of these five guys breaking camp and all pitching well were almost – I mean, did anyone think that was even possible? But if it is, if somehow that actually materializes – how do you how do you put like a, a wheel if Wheeler's throwing ninety seven <laughs> and with this, with no walks and all this this incredible incredible stats and, and Max straightens it out how do you send one of these guys to Vegas or the pen when Vargas has like a five year <laughs> like how do you how can you do it I mean at least in the beginning just because no. you yeah just for the reps of it man just to keep them throwing and building confidence at least for a little while and to get us off to a fast start. Well, can I give you the perfect corollary for it? Because we had this conversation about mm-hmm. four years ago, and that was mm-hmm. with the Bartolo Colon signing, right? It was kind of mm-hmm. the same thing. Oh, my God, the guy's going to have five ERA, he's 94 years old, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some guaranteed a guaranteed innings eater on any staff is, is mm-hmm. a great move. You know, I like what I've seen out of Wheeler. Do I trust him to go out there and be able to perform right now? No. I look kind of like what I've seen out of Harvey, but in my opinion, Harvey's the guy most prone to not being in the staff after a month. Um, so that's mm-hmm. why you have Vargas, right? Same with Matt. Well, I know so, we have him. But I'm talking just in the beginning, man. That's, that's, my well, point I, is not I, overall because we need the innings. It's just in the start. I, I'm, I'm with you. You know, Harvey okay. could have – Harvey and Matt are both one bad start away from, from not being in starting rotation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's just the bottom line. So uh, it's a nice problem to have. I'd rather it be this than the opposite. The Fred mm-hmm. needs that three guys, and if if we get a full starting season out of one of them, mm-hmm. we'll have done very well because history is the best predictor of the future, and, and it just hasn't been there, unfortunately. I would love to go with the five young guns. I mean, shit, man, you go Thor, DeGrom, Max, mm-hmm. Harvey, Wheeler. Right. That would be the dream. But gosh darn it, that is that, that is not going to happen this year. One of them is going to fall down, probably two. Well, you know, Gene, I want your opinion on this too. I mean, I I completely agree with you. I, I and I I don't mind Vargas being here because honestly, even if they didn't go down, they've only got 150 innings each. So you still need another full starter just to gobble that stuff up. And you know that most likely maybe Lugo will go down with something. I I get it completely. My only, my point basically is you're waiting for these guys to find that touch and that sort of um, confidence. And they're going to have to break eventually. My, my criticism is basically breaking in April. And because the thing is, this is all an if. So obviously if one of them gets hurt, one of them has a bad start, this is not even a discussion, but if they continue to pitch the way they're pitching, 
I mean, the everyone is looks wonderful, basically. So to sit one of these guys down, from just from a talent perspective, especially when they're building confidence, when they're all pitching well, they're all healthy, and we need to get off to a fast start to make sure Vargas gets his innings in in April. Meanwhile, Vargas only had half a good year last year to begin with. So, and you know, and it's not like we're going to stop these guys from pitching. They're going to waste their bullets somewhere else. So for me, I don't understand the, the need in April to throw Vargas right away. Why not keep him? Why not have him in long relief? And you know what I mean. Instead of Wheeler, have Wheeler start games or piggyback mats or something. Just, I mean, Gene, what do you what do you think? Do you do you, am, am I making too much of this, or do you uh, you see my, no, my point? it's it's your it's your point, and I don't. <clears throat> I'm not poo-pooing on it. I just like the fact that Vargas, and again, wasn't a big Vargas fan, but he is switching leagues. He has been with Island. Um, they know what they're getting with him. And you, I mean, you remember back when the Mets had, um, what was his first name? Oliver, the lefty, Darren Oliver. Darren, was da, it? Yeah, Darren mm-hmm. Oliver, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he came out of the pen. He was a six starter. That guy pitched more big games, second games, a doubleheader. That guy, mm-hmm. he pitches ass off. He never was the top five pitcher, but he was always mm-hmm. the guy you could go to. And so, a guy like Matz and a guy like Wheeler, who really, mm-hmm. the both of them, have never done what they've been expected mm-hmm. to do. Vargas mm-hmm. has. He's exceeded the expectations. He's 35 years old. He's a veteran guy. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you, I mean, I think if you, if you approached him and said, would you be willing to do this, he would totally mm-hmm. do it. But um, he's mm-hmm. also a lefty. And so, you know, a light tossing lefty that – has less of a less of a long man attribute than you could do with a Wheeler or a Matt. The only thing with Matt is he's a head case. I think you could do it with Wheeler and say this is the way you earn your spot. You're you're going to be a long man. You're going to be a maybe a six inning man, maybe a spot start man. Go out and do mm-hmm. it. Because you can do it to the other guy. So I just looked it up. So Wheeler, Harvey, and Matt. Last year, mm-hmm. between the three of them, started 48 games, mm-hmm. and Harvey was a disaster. Mm-hmm. Vargas started 32 games last year, and 30 games the year before. So, you know, for in the American League, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, in the American League, exactly. And, you know, and he pitched a fair amount of innings. You know, he's not a huge mm-hmm. innings either, but he's like a hundred mm-hmm. innings kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And if that's your insurance, and you start the season with that, and try to get these guys healthy, you know, we don't know. One of these guys could go down there literally could go down to, to – Oh, yeah, no, of course. Up. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not against it. I like, you know, throw Vargas in. Let's, let's figure this thing out and get five great starters in June. Well, I mean, do you get five great starters in June? That, that's, that's part of my thought process here because, first of all, they, they're going to still waste bullets now to begin with. So they're going to still pitch somewhere, hopefully not Vegas. But the, the reality, though, is that outside of just keeping them healthy when they – Theoretically, when they were healthy last year at times, they weren't pitching well because they hadn't been on the mound a lot. So my whole thought is that if, if, if they, over the next couple of weeks, it looks like they got their touch back, their confidence is coming back. I mean, is this the time to stop them just to get Vargas in there when you already have Vargas? And Vargas, the same point you just made as far as having the pitchers in June, same thing could be said for Vargas. And if anything, Somebody like him, since he's already had, when he had Tommy Don surgery, he came back after a break, was basically the same guy. 
So he, if anything, he might be somebody that is able to take a little time off or be in the pen and then just jump right into the rotation and be himself. Whereas these guys have been struggling for years to kind of get back to where they were, you know, maybe, you know, first of all, it would make us a lot more dominating in April. And honestly, if this team gets off to a fast start, it's going to shut people up real quick. And I think that that's really vital, especially. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what gives us a better shot of Dave, starting Dave, off quick check your numbers yeah. on, on Vargas, though, because I think 15 and 16, he had limited starts. Um, yeah. He had t- Tommy John. John right? yeah. 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 So, but again, you don't sign a guy. And, and, and I think Callaway and Island would be good enough where if he comes out of the gate, goes 0-4, they're mm-hmm. going to start maneuvering. They're not, you know, they're, 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 they're you know, sabermetrics type guys where they're going to say, okay, mm-hmm. you've just – but it's, I have a feeling it's going to be either feast or famine where everybody's mm-hmm. pitching their ass off and we don't know what to do mm-hmm. or there's four guys down. And now you have, you know, uh, Montero making a start and we're like, oh, oh God. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, yeah. Look at last year. Look at the sheer number of guys that made starts last year for the Mets. I mean, we, I, I'm not going to look it up. We must have had 12 different pitchers make a start last year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's a long 162 game season. It's a serious grind. You know, shit, man. Mm-hmm. If Vargas comes in and makes 12 starts in a row and mm-hmm. goes, mm-hmm. you know, five and four with a 4.5 mm-hmm. ERA and eats up, you know, a decent amount of innings, that's a good thing. It's a long season. So Nick, I totally get your point, man. I want the big five in there grinding. You know, 30 starts each. But well, that's not going to happen. No way that, <laughs> no, no, oh, yeah, yeah, man. I, I like Vargas. I, I don't mind him being here. I'm just, I'm just talking April. I'm just talking when, when those, if each one of them is going to start 20 games or something, and just when do those 20 happen? And to me, you know, they might lose their touch if they don't pitch enough over the start of the season. If look, I, it, this might work itself out. It probably will over the next few, few it, weeks. I'm just talking theoretically. Yeah, yeah, theoretically, no. It's a, it's a great point, and, and, and I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I just I like the cautiousness because you you live up mm-hmm. there, dude. It is cold in New York yeah. in April. Sure, there's a lot of games where it's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, 48, 50 degrees at game time. I don't want Wheeler mm-hmm. out there. I'm like Vargas, throw your ass off, dude. Hopefully your shoulders stay steady. <laughs> you know, so let's let's get into June. Let's get through this early grind, settle things down, get guys healthy, know what we have, throw their sides get through this bad, shitty weather, and then let's play baseball, you know? Yeah, the thing is that that same logic can be applied to uh, Harvey. I mean, he, who's probably right. – he's got more injuries than Wheeler for sure. I mean, Wheeler took a while to come back. It's only one one problem where Harvey is, you know, Lee Majors basically. <laughs> he's taped together. Yeah, Harvey's the odd man you know? Frankly, Har- Harvey's the odd man out. His last two seasons have been a disaster. Everyone always talks, oh, Harvey looks great, Harvey looks great. You know, I watched him. He, he looks okay. He's not blowing me away. I think his uh, his motion, and I got to go back and look at film. He is throwing the mm-hmm. ball much differently than he did three years ago when he was an all star. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure exactly what he, but he used to have this kind of like. Um, you ever shoot a bow and arrow? You know, you kind of you kind of pull your hand back, and he's got this nice level mm-hmm. motion, and it just looks different to me. And I can't figure exactly what, what it is, but something's different. And you know, if he can get by with 93, 94 miles an hour. You know, with with semi decent off speed stuff, great. But I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to get. He's been more of 96, though. You know what I mean? That's um, yeah, I don't which. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> you know what? I mean, I guess it remains to be seen. You know, and and you're right. I mean, if you just take 
well, look, if you just take their performance now, they've done, you know, even in the spring, um, all into account and just ignore the names, then Gazelman should be <laughs> higher on that list than uh, than a few of these guys. So it's tough. And, like, you know, everyone discounts Wheeler, but and, and I know it's been a while, but look at it, the last couple of full seasons that he had. Like, he, you know, he was just ready to turn a corner, and he was pretty effing good, you know, the last time he was out there. And he's been – I mean, he's had more success over an extended period of time than Matt's than any, than really almost any of these guys, but Harvey's brief period. You know what I mean? So like, it's, I think we're writing him off a little too quick. But it's a deep staff from, this is the Mm. deepest staff that this team has had. Like you said, Lugo. This last year. (laughs) Yeah. No, 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 no. They weren't as deep last year. There's no, no, they weren't as deep. And it's, and it's a different kind of deep because, we're in a spot now where you have two pitching coaches. We have no Terry mm-hmm. Collins, no Warson. And mm-hmm. these kids, I mean, even if it's for a short term, these, these guys mm-hmm. are buying in. And, sure. you know, if we, go, if we go back to comparing, you know, Vargas to Bobby Ojeda, before Bobby Ojeda got to the Mets, he was a 500-type pitcher. He, he mm-hmm. came to the Mets, and in that, in that lineup, in that pitching staff, think about Var- Vargas is going to be three or four in that staff unless they decide to throw him in after and between Syndergaard and DeGrom. But he's going to go up against possibly four or five on, on guys. Like our four and five guys, those are going to be a lot of wins. Yeah, I pick the second. I, I throw him right in between Thor and, yeah. and uh, DeGrom. Yep. Yeah. Man, uh I don't know. I, I, I hear you. I mean, the logic of, of getting the soft tosser in there, I, I get it because it's going to make the next guy more effective. I just, I just love the intimidation factor. You know, almost like you come yeah, in there with thrown the ground, back to back, people give up, you know, especially the young teams. No, but when you go from, from 95 to 95 or 100 to 95, you're all geared up. When you throw that mm-hmm. wrinkle in there, it's a, it's a sad sure. day. It's, it's, a, it's like not only to set up the next guy, but you just came off of 100 miles an hour. And now you have a light, you know. Mm-hmm. A light tosser, but well, think of it the other way, right? You can have him as the fifth starter going before um, Syndergaard, and you have that sort of a differential because everybody basically throws ninety-five to begin with, so it might just make Syndergaard that much more effective. I don't know. It's, it's True. you know, it's, I guess it's a good problem to have, isn't it? <laughs> it's a great problem to have. I mean, think about it. If you're in a five-game series with the best pitching staff mm-hmm. other than the Mets, you. They have to compete on paper. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a staff that can compete, and they have better management. They have better coaches right now, mm-hmm. much better. Hey, can Which we talk be a about good segue Tom? to where we're going with this? Nick, come on, take us there. Can we talk about first uh, base, please? Oh. <laughs> Wait, I got, I got I got one more thing on, on pitching before we go on. Just one one more thing. All right. Um, the all right, sure. Arietta signed today. All right. Um, are you? What would have been? What's what's worse for you? If he it, the fact that he signed with Philly, or the or the fact, or would it have been worse had he signed with Washington, which is kind of what we thought? No, I, I think the Phillies actually, you know, quietly have built themselves a pretty pretty damn good team. I'm not sleeping on the mm-hmm. Phillies at all, but you know, Arietta, frankly, you know, I thought he was going to sign somewhere for a one year. When they gave him three years, I don't know, man. I think that guy. He's going to pitch lights out, and then he's going to, mm-hmm. you know, for like two months, he's going to be like eight mm-hmm. and one or some crazy shit, and then he's he's done, man. 
I think his body's going to betray him. But who knows? That's I, I, a great signing for the Phillies. You know, hats off to him. And uh, I love our division. When you look at it now, I mean, the Phillies are legit. The Mets could be legit. We know the uh, the Nats mm-hmm. have a great team, so it's going to be some exciting baseball in the NL East. But yeah, I, I was uh, I'd rather see him in the Phillies than in Washington. Well, Gene, with with that being said, I mean, I think you know Dave is sort of right. The division is taking an upswing, and I think at least my my perspective is that one of the advantages that we had was that we were in the worst division, so we were going to get kind of almost gifted <laughs> X amount of extra wins because of the, how terrible, you know, the Marlins were and the Braves and the um, Phillies and everything else. So now with the Phillies improving too, is that, is that something you think um, over the course of the season, those, cu- those few games we might not beat them uh, because that is pitching or the fact that they'll be a little closer to us because of his starts um, when competing for a wild card. Is that something where, he would have been better off going to the Nats and just have just kind of giving the division up, or is this, this no, a better? No, 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 listen, man, listen, listen. Okay. Imagine they're on a West Coast swing, and mm-hmm. Strasburg and um, Scherzer had already pitched those two days, and they're coming into mm-hmm. uh, City Field on sure. Monday, and you mm-hmm. have Arietta. I don't like that. I, I, I'm glad he didn't go to the Nationals. I, I, I let him go with the Phillies. He's going to give up a mm-hmm. shit ton of home runs there. He's a very mm-hmm. good pitcher. We couldn't have afforded that. That would have been a crazy contract for the Mets to partake mm-hmm. in. But mm-hmm. if he went to the Nationals, I would have been sick. Uh, because because the, the, the intangible is here's how you win, which the Nationals haven't been able to do. I don't want any part <laughs> of that. Give them the Phillies. Give them the Marlins. Give them the Yankees. Do not give them the Nationals. Okay. Yeah, I, All right. I, 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 I agree, too. You, yeah. All right. Well, let's. You want to move on, to Dom Smith? Who who wants to take the first shot? <laughs> uh, I'm dying. I'm he dying here. He should stay fat. You know, <laughs> this reminds me of Cecil Fielder. I mean, when or uh, yeah, Prince Fielder. Sorry, when he, he lost Mill- all that weight. Millage anybody? He started losing weight. He stopped eating meat. He got a. Back problem, he sucked. This, this, <laughs> he's overrated as hell. I don't know. I, I, I thought that we were going to come in and have, you know, Dom Smith playing first base, um, you know, with Adrian Gonzalez, you know, as his backstop, maybe getting 30 to 40 starts and, and pinch hitting. I, I think Dom Smith is the best first baseman on the team. I, I honestly do. Really? You know, last year, you know, he he totally wore down. He he played some crazy like 200 games or something, and I know he got mm-hmm. off to the bad start and he showed up late and he's this crazy diet and this weird kid and everything. But um, as far as talent level, you know what I saw from him in September, I really really was hoping that uh, he would come in and, and compete and be able to win the job on his own merit and then go mm-hmm. out and. Like 130, 140 games, and, and and start building up on what I thought might be a, a good career. I'm really, really unhappy with the fact that he he's definitely getting sent down. I don't know if you saw Callaway's quote yesterday when they and he's like, "Yeah, it's really hard. We haven't been able to evaluate it." He, he all but said he starts year in, in Vegas. And that, mm. that sucks. Well, what did you see last year? I mean, I know the power was interesting, but I. I mean, did you forget about the hype? 
you know, the fact that people are calling him Keith Hernandez. I mean, what, what did you see that you liked? I, I like his approach, right? I, I like the way he, he stands in there. He, he hung in tough against lefties. He was obviously gassed in September. He didn't have a lot left. He still had like nine home runs for the month or, or something. Right. Um, I, I saw him hit hit high pitches, which is really kind of always the bane of the young hitter, right? They always chase high fastballs and they can't catch up. Mm-hmm. He was gassed, and he was catching up on high 95-miles-an-hour fastballs and, and hitting home runs off him. So I'm like, get mm-hmm. this guy in a modicum of physical conditioning and, and let him be fat, right? Just, just some guys are just fat. <laughs> he is, he's going to be fat. You know, so as long as he's not – you know, tubby, and he's just a fat guy. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But I <laughs> like his swing. I like his approach. I, I think he's a great first baseman. His footwork over there, his glove work, tremendous, tremendous. So I was kind of hoping that he and Rosario would build up this kind of one-two punch like we hope Wright and Reyes would have at short and first base, and that he would kind of be this prototypical six or seventh hitter who's going to bat 280 with, you know, 20 home runs, a, a decent amount of RBIs, and, and just be a guy that's not a you know an automatic out, but a guy that, you know, has gap power, occasionally hits home runs, and, and can be, you know, a decent force in the lineup. And, hmm. man, because I see Adrian Gonzalez, Agon, he's he's done. The guy's done. He, he looks awful. He looks awful last year. He looks awful now. So why not let Dom Smith just, you know, play baseball and, and play it up here instead of, you know, in triple A. Uh, I'm just crushed. I, I, I wish I could talk to Callaway and ask him what he's thinking here. I think he's got. Well, I'm right here. <laughs> I mean, I'm right here. Why don't you just ask me? Oh, yeah, brother. What the hell? What are you thinking about here? Do you know? Let me <laughs> well, me so, so, so here's how it goes, uh, uh, David. It, it goes like this. We're going to play the first month. We're going to put Gonzalez out there just like they put Carlos Delgado out there, who was dead and buried. Jose Valentin was dead and buried, and all of a sudden they had a season. We're going to put the veteran out there. And if he doesn't perform in 30 days, David, we're going to bring this kid up, this little skinny guy now. Not the fat guy. We're going to bring the skinny (laughs) guy up. And he's going to show up on time. And he's going to play. But I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to start with Gonzalez. Because veterans don't give a shit about spring training. He'll be fine. Dig your mouth to God's ears. I like the way you think, yeah. but I, you know, I, I have to respectfully disagree. You know, I, I just think that um, there could have been better ways to to handle Dom Smith's you know tardiness and some of the the things that we're not liking about the way he's handling himself. That'll come with maturity and. I think sending him down, you know, almost it seems to me like it's almost out of spite. You know, if they were sending him down because he you know, was batting the buck 40 and he can't mm. run his drills, you know, some attitudinal problem. But, man, I just don't see the reason for doing it. But, uh, you know. Well, da- Dave, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt, but because I'm, I'm actually – I find it fascinating here a little bit because I know your background, obviously, um, is – kind of organizations that um, talk about discipline. And it seems to me almost like something that would happen in, in the, you know, in the army or something like that, where if somebody came in slightly late, you know, kind of that, that little, that personality issue where perhaps I'm, I'm not saying that it's a disruptive personality, but rather it gets people on a different page. It's sort of, you know, there's something up there Um, in, 
with your experience, you know, how you mentioned that there's other ways to handle it, you know, with that in mind, like, how do you think it should have been handled? If there's some, if there's something that, that they feel needs to be fixed for him to really meet, you know, reach his ceiling besides just the, uh, the weight. Cause I mean, you know, looks like a, a fat guy, <laughs> as we said, but at the same respect, you know, he was able to take the weight off, you know, he wasn't, and, and people like, you know, Kirby Puckett, people like that, you know, they, at their prime, they weren't quite so, so hefty and everything. So, I mean, what, how would you have handled it differently than, than them? What, what would you hope that they would do? Yeah, no, that's a good question. You know, mm-hmm. you know I was in the Air Force for a long time, right? In 21 right. years, I've mm-hmm. kind of been working around the military pretty much my mm-hmm. whole adult life. And I'm, I'm not, you know, stereotyping here or, or saying that, you know, he's like one thing or another. But mm-hmm. I, you know, when I had a lot of young guys that worked for me, especially when I was in Germany. And I think kids like Dom Smith, you know, casting them aside usually didn't get the best result. It wasn't like, hey, you're going to go do some menial tasks and instead of, you know, working on fighter planes for a week because I'm mad at you, I'm going to go have you, you know, mop the floors. That, that usually didn't work. I would more kind of challenge them as a man and try to show, be an example to them and let them show me how good they can be at their given task. So instead of casting aside, you know, I, I would challenge them and, and didn't work all the time, but a lot of times you would see guys that came in that were head cases or, you know, they were prima donnas where they didn't really deserve it, but you try to challenge their manliness, their, man, their manhood, and put them in positions to succeed, and they would often surprise you. So I think, you know, putting him back in, in Vegas, do I think he's going to excel down there? Yeah, I do. Do I think that, um, you know, he could also excel at the major leagues and help the team, you know, chase a pennant? With a slightly different tact, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's just tough. I, I just think that that he's right now a better player than other options at first base, and I'd rather see him learning and grooming and being up here with the big club and being challenged that way than, than kind of being cast aside and and then he's someone else's problem, right? He's not going to get the same coaching. He's not going to be around teammates. He's not going to benefit from sitting next to the bench with Aegon and some of the other veteran leaders and being a mm-hmm. part of the big club. And, you know, Callaway is much smarter and much closer to this than I am. Uh, on this one, though, I, I disagree with the guy. Well, what about keeping him out of the media? Like, in other words, that he's going to have a, be under a lot of scrutiny being the first baseman, especially in April. And if they don't get off to a good start, you know what I mean? He's going to be have this microscope on him. So is there a benefit? Because, I mean, Gonzalez – I mean, he doesn't look so hot at the plate, but he's been pretty good in the field. So, I mean, yeah, with that being said, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, do you think that there's also an element here where you're almost protecting him from himself? Just sort of get, getting the cobwebs out and getting into a good groove out of the spotlight before he gets here? Yeah. I, you know, I think that's probably what Callaway's thinking is, what you're thinking, what you're thinking is there. Mm-hmm. And if that works out. Well, it's Gene. What's great. Gene's thinking? Cause you know, with all the young guys on the Mets, and, and this has been a, a, a habitual pattern year after year after year, I'm of the mindset, let them learn in the major leagues, you know, given the, given where it's kind of a 50, 50 option where they're going to learn, learn better. I'd rather have them in the big leagues, you know, because I mean, I mean, let's, let's face it. The Mets aren't, you know, world beaters and, and winning World Series after World Series. And we've seen this with a lot of young players, but the Mets' methodology seems to be 
keep him down on the farm. And I would much – I mean, Rosario, we were screaming for that guy to be up here last year, right? Mm-hmm. We were begging for that guy to come up here. And they kept him down, kept him down, kept him down. I just see that same pattern with Dom Smith. And, you know, it, it, it's working with, like, a guy like Nimmo, who, who needed the extra time in the minor leagues, frankly. But with, with mm-hmm. Rosario and Dom Smith, I want him up here playing. Man, Mickey, it's, it don't, yeah, it almost seems like the team, the team sort of has an issue bringing people up and sending them down. Because you know, one thing that kind of irked me recently is um, when they're talking about the pitcher options, and they they're still mentioning the Harvey option. Now it's too late to send him down because of his uh, his service time. But I mean, they could have at any point <laughs> over the last couple of years sent him down for a little while and de- delayed free agency a year. And I don't understand what the – I mean, they, they bring up players late to delay their free agency clock to begin with. So why, why wouldn't something like, like that have happened? I mean, I know it's sort of off the Racism. topic, but it's, it's the same concept of not sending people down and up. What do you think? Mickey? Well, I'm going to give you – let me just chime in a little bit on the uh, Dom Smith issue. Mm-hmm. And so sure. a, a, a serious take on this, and, and, and you guys are welcome to – to rebut this, but I think, so right now going into season, in terms of leadership, we have Jay Bruce, we have David Wright, and we have Frazier, who are going to be kind of active leaders on this team. I think that Callaway is using Gonzalez to be an active leader on this team for the Spanish guys. And we know, like in recent times, they've talked about is Cespedes leading by example, turning his hat around, monkeying around with the drills? Should they have, you know, I don't know if you guys read that. Should they have, like, scolded him about that? We have we have Cabrera. We have Reyes. We have Rosario. Those guys lead by fire and example, but they're not leaders on the team. And I think that Gonzalez is going to be, with Frazier and with Bruce and with Wright, a better option for leadership than than, than um, Dom Smith. And that's just one component of it. And the fact that he's, mm-hmm. you know, defensively better, this was the number one week at, weakness of this team, is that they were defensively a, a piss-poor team. And Dom Smith is a good defender, but Gonzalez is a really good defender. So I don't think it's a bad move to start him and then see how it works out. Um, I have no doubt that Dom Smith will be up at some point but I don't have a problem with Gonzalez starting in first base. So, so I like you're going to be like a six. Yeah. Go ahead. So, so I like your point, and the only rebuttal I'll have to it, and these are things I've heard from, like, you know, Keith Hernandez or other veterans, and these are guys who were leaders and were respected. You know, I've heard you know, leadership is a little overrated in baseball, right? True. So you have – too many or not enough, I think, you know, your examples, Gene, were perfect, right? Todd Frazier, a lot of the reason he was brought here, because he has diminishing skills and, you know, his on base and strikeouts are, are, are pretty terrible. But that guy truly is a, a force in the clubhouse. But, you know, how many of those do you need if, if their skill set's not there? I, believe me, dude, I love Adrian Gonzalez. I, I love that guy. When, when he went to Boston that one year, my buddy's a diehard Red Sox fan. I was like, you got one of the studs of all baseball. But he's he's done, man. I mean, he he has really been in a drastic decline. And for me, leadership aside, and I'll I'll give you that he is a good leader, a very good leader. But I just don't think he's going to produce enough to to 
offset leadership versus production. I don't think it's right, there. So let me ask you this real quick. If, if, Rosario, if Rosario goes off key a little bit, would you want the arm on his shoulder to be Dom Smith or would you want it to be Gonzalez? And just tell me that one player. Yeah, obviously Gonzalez. 100% yes. Even though Dom Smith has been his man in the minor leagues, and you know, you know, Nick was joking around. There is a little lasting millage to this kid that, not to dispel him altogether, but a lot. Every celebration he went out there, mm-hmm. you know, like he didn't have enough time on the team to be jumping up and down like that. You watch a guy like Nemo, mm-hmm. you know, with his big chiclets, his teeth out there, and he's all he knows when to hold back, and he respects Conforto, and they. You know, they mentor each other almost. And so, I don't know, for a team that's going to be premised on pitching with enough hitting, I think we can forego Smith for for parts of the season to see what Gonzalez does. Because, man, I thought Delgado and Pornstash were done. And they had <laughs> crazy – I mean, they had crazy – remember Delgado's season, how bad it was until the – two home run game in Yankee Stadium, how bad his season was. Like, this guy mm-hmm. is D-U-N. Let's just see what happens. Well, well, but here's my challenge to that, though. And, and brother, believe me, I hope you are 1 million percent right, and, and I, I really do. My challenge to that, though, is I think we now have three holes in the lineup at first, catcher, and second base. Whereas before, you know, Second base is, is, is mediocre, right? Cabrera, you know, he's going to be up and down, whatever. Um, catcher, I mean, Ploiecki and Darno, you've got a very, very average offensive um, catcher. And, and with Ploiecki especially, you've got, I, I think, a very subpar defensive catcher. But first base is a premium position, right? Your first baseman, your right fielder, usually your third baseman, your left fielder, those are the premium offensive positions. You can take some defensive slack in center field and shortstop, um, a catcher. But, man, first base for 90% of baseball clubs is a premier offensive player. And, man, we have Aegon with his three home runs last year and his 280 on base percentage at age whatever, 35 or 40 or whatever he really is. That's tough for me to swallow. It really is. Well, let me ask you this. You know, considering the finances, the fact that they are um... – I can say that they're broke because I don't think that they are, but considering that they couldn't spend much and they're trying to stretch their money as far as possible, I mean, the guy's making minimum. And in fairness, and I do see what you see too, but it, but it is spring training. It's As recently as 2016, he had a good season. He had back problems last year specifically. So theoretically, if the back problems are manageable, I mean, it's it's not impossible. He's not 40, 40-something. He's still kind of mid-30s, it's not impossible that he could have one more, like a Jose Valentin kind of a year. And my, I mean, with the way that the free agent market went, I mean, yeah, you could look and see, well, they could have gotten Logan Morrison or somebody like that. But the, I, I just wonder, can, does having gotten him, um, did that also allow us to get somebody, somebody else? Like, would we have been able to afford even a Vargas had we not gone very cheap on first base? And maybe you can make an argument Vargas is more important. If you had to kind of splurge in one area, you know, would be pitching just to kind of try to stabilize the rotation. So, I mean, that's what it almost seemed like, didn't it? Because it's like it seemed like all these players were just waiting to be kind of sucked up, and this team wasn't spending anything, and it's kind of like they kind of got creative 
and figured, well, you know what? It's almost like like Gonzalez was a throw-in. Well, we're going to go with Smith, yeah. but you know what? He's he's free. You know, what do you think? Yeah, I I, I think I think the Mets almost boxed themselves in a corner with Gonzalez. I mean, he's got a very limited um, ability on the team. You know, we can't afford to have the rusty stab, left-handed pinch hitter off the bench that can maybe play first base or DH against the American League anymore. You know, this, the modern baseball is not built for that. So it's almost like mm-hmm. if you're going to have him on the team, you've got to forego Dom Smith to have Gonzalez on the team. It's like one or the other. You can't really have both because you've got a platoon situation to catcher. You need um, the utility guy, which apparently is going to be Reyes now, and you need that extra mm-hmm. outfielder. There's just not room for Gonzalez if he's going to have, you know, 100 at back this year. It's just not there. So – to me, I'm almost regretting the signing. I wish we hadn't signed him. Um, that way, mm-hmm. Dom Smith would be up here. We'd have a more versatile bench because the bench is is looking really good. I mean, if you think of the bench with Nimmo and Lagaris and Reyes, I mean, holy crap, that, that's a Flores. good bench. Yeah, and Flores, exactly, exactly right. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. a great bench. Good point. And, and yeah. it's like, but now we've got Gonzalez for Smith. And Gonzalez can't be your bench guy, you know, in a versatile major league lineup. So, yeah, he's cheap and all that other good stuff, but, man, it's kind of a bummer for me at this point. I, I want Smith playing. I kind of agree with Gene. You know, I think it's it's sort of almost no risk because the reality is they can just dump him at any point. <laughs> if he's not hitting in the beginning, um, you know, at least, at least he'll play solid D and keep Smith out of the spotlight for a little while. Because the, um, I mean, I, I meant the last, last things millage thing. Um, I mean, it was, it was a joke, but it was also grounded in reality. And I'm, I mean, it's, it's the, he had one interview, and I, I remember this kind of distinctly getting taken aback by it, where he was talking to some reporter about his hometown and how he um, is such a great influence on younger kids, and kids um, look up to him as a role model. And he was basically. Um, he was talking like a 10-year veteran that had been incredibly successful and everything else, and he was—he looked at himself that way. You know, he didn't say, "I want to be a role model" or "I kind of want uh, kids to look up to me." He said that they do. Like he was talking as though things already happened. Like in other words, the the um, <laughs> the the journey had been over, not that it just began. And so, to me, that's what reminded me of Millage, because Millage was sort of—you know—he wasn't obnoxious either. He just didn't realize that he hadn't made it yet, you know, and that's, that's the similarity. That's what I saw that I didn't, uh, I didn't like. So, I mean, maybe, maybe there is a, a degree of just kind of sending him back to Vegas and letting the party start with Adam that would just not necessarily decrease his confidence. Cause he's, I think he's going to hit there, but just let him sort of realize that it's not, he hasn't made it yet. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, that's at least what I, what I see in it. I, I, I trust this coaching staff though. For sure, you know. So I guess they're making the right, uh, right call. I mean, guys, how how cool is it to have uh, <laughs> to have these type of guys running the team? It's uh, refreshing to me. No, I think it's I think it's fantastic. And and to your point about Gonzalez, you know, he's won four Gold Gloves and won as recently mm-hmm. as 2014. And mm-hmm. and I think. The difference, Dave, with the production from the offense side, we haven't had a good fielding first baseman in a long time, and we and we've mm-hmm. seen some of the worst. And so, for a team that's built on pitching, don't forget this team is about pitching with enough hitting. Um, and not that Dom Smith is bad, but I think you know I feel a lot better with 
Callahan's decision to have Gonzalez versus a guy like Willie Randolph that didn't believe that no rookie should start or the gangster, Jerry Manuel. You know, this guy, he's putting his time in. He's been mentored by one of the best managers in our time. You know, you, I think it's, you know, he's going to be looking for some informal leadership, and I think that's going to go a long way. But, yeah, this is – listen to Callaway talk. Watch – Island's not so good with the media. You could tell he's a little snarky, like, you know. Um, but those two together and the fact that Callaway has enough confidence to bring in the guy that mentored him, which is always a little dicey in leadership, right? So you'll never get to spread your wings if you bring in the guy. He brought in the guy that mentored him. And and the guy was a you know a stud pitching coach. I think we're in real good hands right now. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree. I, I really like Callahan. <clears throat> I mean, uh, yeah, I, I like um, Dave Island. I I think the staff is great. One thing I was watching the game today that, that Keith Hernandez said, you know, who as far as anybody talking about fielding, you know, I think top of my list. He did say, and Gonzalez. He didn't make an error today, but he kind of olayed one that I thought he should have had. And Hernandez said, hey, you know, you've got Gonzalez and you've got Cabrera, and um, and they both lost a step. So that right side of the infield, while sure hands, right, anything hit close to, to Cabrera, he's going to get. Anything, you know, close to Gonzalez and as far as scoops and all that other stuff, he's going to get. But, you know, charging the bunts and ranging left and right, and it's just – there's a step that's gone. When you get to your mid-30s, you are not the same guy you were when you are 25 years old. And that's for any any, any player, right? So, uh, you know, I, I get all your points, and I, I, I totally see it, you know, maybe coming out the way you guys are, are talking about, and I do trust the staff. But, I, you know, I like youth. You know, baseball is a young man's game. You look at any stats – Guys have their best seasons between the ages of 22 and 28, and that is a fact, right? You can't dispute it. Um, so you hear you're, you're entrusting the entire right side of your infield to guys that are on paper, because we don't know how old these guys really are, but, you know, they're 35, 37 years old. And that's, that's tough for me to swallow right now with what could be a very young and exciting team. Dave, you think we made a mistake at second base along those same lines? Do you, are you comfortable with how that worked out? You know, for me, again, you know, the guy is not a great defender by any stretch of the imagination. But my infield would be Tom Smith, would be Flores at second, would be Rosario at at, uh, short, and Todd Frazier at third. And that's the infield that, you know, if I was king for a day, that's my opening day lineup right there. I'd have those, those four guys. What do you think? What do you think, Gene? I mean, I know that Cabrera has a relationship with uh, Cespedes, so maybe that explains one of the reasons why he's so important to the team. Like he's one of the guys that I'll actually talk to. But what do you uh, what do you think? Do you think it's a mistake at second? Would you configure things different? Well, I love having Reyes on the team to be able to pick up second, short, or third, and he's going to get a lot of at bats. I like Cabrera more at second for this reason only. Well, two reasons. He's a switch hitter, and having him on the field is going to benefit the the lineup from you know first inning to ninth inning. But then having Flores on the bench for a right-handed power spot 
is is going to be invaluable because the guy has tremendous power. I mean, he can hit a fastball like nobody's business. The only thing is, you know, Flores is one of those guys almost like Murphy. I think Flores is the next Daniel Murphy, Justin Turner, that never gets a full-time spot. And if he went to Houston or Philadelphia, we would see a guy that would jump out of his skin in terms of numbers, and we would be like, what happened? But he just doesn't have a spot. His logical spot is third base. But that's not going to happen with Frazier. So if, if Mickey can find a way, just like Reyes, to get Flores time at first, time at second, sometimes time at third, but if he can effectively move him around, just like Reyes, I mean, it's going to be – you're going to see 25 home runs out of Flores. I mean, he's, just, he's never been given a shot other than an injury, like jump in there right now, but he's never said, you're the guy. And the guy can hit. He can flat-out hit. Well, I mean, do you expect 25 home runs, or do you expect what happened to Murphy and Turner? Because, I mean, Murphy and Turner, I think they turned into uh, ridiculous hitters. I mean, they upped their, their game. I mean, Flores, if you just take his stats and project them out to 500 at-bats, I think you'd get 20-something home runs. I mean, yeah. I think that's almost a, a given. But, I mean, do you expect him to be better than, let's say, 280, 20 homers, you know, 80 RBI, something like that? No, I mean, if he gave, if he had a full season, yes. But like hmm. hitting off the bench is tr- is tough. I mean, never baseball players are, are mental midgets. I mean, you don't the confidence that has to go with what you're starting. Even if you say you're starting and hitting eighth every single day, that's different than you may not be starting and you're watching somebody else start. And then they're like, you're watching the game, and then in the seventh, Flores grab a bat, and he's produced. It's the same thing with Justin Turner. I mean, and you know Murphy was. They had Murphy all over the place. They never had a spot for him. He played, but he was never until the playoffs the Murphy that he is now. And this is not an aberration. The guy can, you know, in the right circumstances can play. And so I expect Flores. The two most important people on the team for me are going to be Flores and Reyes, you know, other than the the starters. But just how are they going to be able to come off the bench? Because, you know, like Danny Heap back in the day and Rusty Staub and those guys – you need guys to come off the bench and win games, not only in pinch hitting, but in a spot start. And you're not going to feel bad putting Flores and Reyes out there to start for Rosario or Frazier. You're not going to go, oh, this is like, I, I would never buy a ticket to see these guys play. This is, that, those are good players. And that's, that's a deep bench. I I agree, Dude, guys. I think we we have a few more minutes, um, and I wanted to um, just get your opinions. I have a couple of thoughts on um, the uh, uh, MLB as a whole, kind of what's uh, and what happened with the collective bargaining agreement. Things have been sort of widely talked about, and I'm just sort of curious to see your um, your feedback on it. But I mean, is there anything regarding the team itself you wanted to uh, bring out and sort of hash out before I uh, switch the subject over? No. Nope. Closer. Who's going to close? Well, ask I mean, Mickey. Who's going to close? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're here, Mickey. What do you think? We're not going to have a closer, man. It's just going to be all hands on deck all the time. I mean, we're going to we're going to change the script. <laughs> I would have familiar. I'd have familiars are closer. Familiars are closer. Ramos is our eighth inning. I think they were nervous about familiar going in and they didn't know. And he's going to wind up being a closer on most days. That make you comfortable, Dave? Or yeah, you, you hope, you, were you sort of rooting us something else? 
No, no, I, I, I want familiar the clothes. You know, frankly, I think his back stuff looks great. And again, you know, I, I'm kind of feeling out Callaway too. You know, don't forget this guy doesn't come with you know some 20 year track record of, of bringing a lot of guys to World Series. I mean, he's the guy at the moment. And while we're all super excited about him, I think the two things that have concerned me about his approach were, you know, the, the immediacy of the Dom Smith decision and then that whole closer by whatever um, mm. thing that he brought out, which is like three weeks ago he said that. I'm like, what? <laughs> when did that ever work? You know, show me the, the, the history of where – closer by committee or whoever has the stuff of the moment is the right call. I mean, I think we've all seen situations where you have a designated closer, but you, you close with other guys by situation, and that's fine because you know, your closer is not going to pitch 160 games a year. But not anointing a closer, which is, I would argue, probably the fourth most important position on any team, uh, it struck me as off. So I'm, I'm in a bit of a wait-and-see mode on how that's going to pan out, but it's not how I would have went. But do you think that that kind of naming a closer almost implies just, you know, by the logic of it, that you would not use that guy under other circumstances besides closing? I mean, I, yeah. I like the fireman right. term from the 70s, almost like if the, if the meat of another lineup is coming in, up in the eighth. I mean, c- I mean, can you use your closer in the eighth inning if it's a closer? Well, you can, but we've seen with Familia that he's a, a very bad seventh and eighth inning pitcher unless he's coming in for a four-out save, right? But when, when he, they started him in an eighth inning, and again, I've got to look up the stats to, to verify oh, Wait a minute. It. I, I got to interrupt there. Didn't he, wasn't he the eighth-inning guy to uh, what's-his-face? Um, oh, God. Mejia. I can't believe I'm drawing a blank here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mejia. No, not, no yeah, that's he, right. Dave's talking season. about if he's Didn't the closer he... starting the eighth. No, I, Dave's not saying the setup guy for a real closer. He, he was it's also play, pitching the eighth inning. You know what I mean? Like, what, is it what, that what, much of a psychological difference there just with what you're what because so he's great in the eighth inning if he's not the closer but if he's the closer in the eighth he's no good i, I would say yes when he was the huh. eighth inning guy for Mejia, we were all right. like all of us like my god this guy should be the closer his stuff is right. so good and he was lights out but he had a defined role when he when he's been coming in earlier in game mm-hmm. as the designated closer he mm-hmm. hasn't performed as well. And, I, again, i got to do a little, um, um, you know, stats checkup on this. But, uh, yeah, so he was a great setup man. He was a great closer. I haven't mm-hmm. seen him excel, you know, in that seventh, eighth inning ball when he's anointed as the closer. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out. Well, I mean, that's, that's fascinating, actually, when you think about it is, you know, you're almost – you're, it's the implication there is almost that this is somebody that, because of the title you give him, will pinch differently in different innings. So perhaps right. comparing him to an Andrew Miller, you know what I mean, or some like that kind of a pitcher, maybe he can wrap his brain around coming in any single, any particular inning. Because maybe it's right. it's counterproductive to have him only okay in the ninth, you know. So I pulled it up super fast in 2014 when he was the eighth inning kind of setup guy. He appeared in 76 games with a 2.21 ERA. The next year he was made the closer, he had a 1.85 ERA and saved 43 games. The year before he only had five saves, so that's why I knew he was a setup guy. So you can see kind of, you know, he's excelled in those roles. What I don't have in front of me is those years as a closer when he came in in a non-save situation. Interesting. Um, guys, I know, um, Gene, I know you got a split soon, and Dave, I'm sure the same way. Um, 
should I uh, should I save the stuff that I had in mind for another uh, another show? Because I I wanted to just go over two two things because what what Manfred has been doing sort of with uh, with the league as far as uh, working with the I guess the just like uh, the the um, the intentional walk last year. Now he's going to limit walks to the mound. He's trying he's trying to basically quicken up the game the game and also with the collective bargaining agreement he's sort of just stepping on the player's throat so i had some some thoughts on that and i kind of wanted your feedback but um perhaps it's a longer conversation should we save that um for another week coming up or do you guys want to tackle it now i think we should save it yeah yeah let's get back into a good battle rhythm of shows too our fan our fan Mm -hmm. Needs more than three shows a year. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. Well, we 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 got a lot of people that are going to be uh, that are interested in joining us this year, um, which I'm very excited about. Hello. Um, Hello. Wait, who's that? Hello. Oh, who's that? <laughs> Maybe Dave Island soon. <laughs> and and I love, I love Sunday nights. By the way, this is a great time slot. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we um, yeah we have we have some some players uh, hopefully coming up some some people that you know and some people that have been on with us in the past. So all right, so I'm going to shelve. I'm going to throw some ice on that topic um, and wait until uh, until another show because I, there's a lot of stuff I kind of want to go over. So um, guys, it's been uh, been fun, been fun. It's been a little too long, I think, too. So we got to get into a rhythm. Um, anything else you want to bring up before we uh, we wrap up? All right, so I'm I'll, just happy I'll bring, to be here from uh, Cleveland. One, you know, one quick one. Up, <laughs> one, quick one. Mm-hmm. So, yes. I'm going to throw out my starting rotation to begin the year, and I want to hear your mm-hmm. guys. We're going to go mm-hmm. Thor, mm-hmm. Vargas, DeGrom, Mats, Wheeler. I think Harvey is the guy that starts in the bullpen this year. Gene, assuming everyone's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> As of right now, if it started to tomorrow. Harvey, Harvey just crapped himself. Um, I like the lefty righty lefty righty thing, but I think, in I think I put Wheeler in the bullpen, and um, and I find a way to get him some starts early on. Even though with the schedule and, and the non-off, you know, the, the multiple off days in the beginning, but I try to find a way. I think you would, you would lose Harvey for the year if you put him in the bullpen, and and that's going to be the psychological component. Although on merit, I I agree with you, I I, I totally agree. But he has to massage these guys a little bit, and uh, I mean, if you had Degrom as your number one. And Thor wasn't your number two, and he was number three. You'd lose him for a little bit of time, and so yep. I th- I think you have to. Mis- you know, listen. It, the greatest pitcher that we have on his team is is Jake. That guy gets it. I mean, I wish we had, and he doesn't even have as good a stuff to me as Syndergaard and maybe even Harvey, but he knows how to do it. Like he he has better stuff than Harvey, but he. That guy is—he's got a short memory. He understands how to pitch. You can tell guys all the time have a short memory, have a short memory, but they don't listen. Scherzer has a short memory. He doesn't get caught up in the bullshit. Harvey is a absolute head case. Him and Matts are, are disastrous, 
And so it's great that we have two pitching coaches on this team. It's absolutely phenomenal that we have two pitching coaches on this team. Yeah, man. I think DeGrom's baseball IQ is about 300, you guys. Oh, God. (laughs) By far. By far. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, just to let you guys know what I would do, um, I'd open with Vargas, followed by Lugo, Montero, Gazelman, and Don Smith as the fifth. Cologne. Actually, I'd get Ike Davis. I'd bring in Ike Davis to be the fifth starter. <laughs> and he could be the second That's lucky out of great. the pen. Maybe, maybe he's the first, first dual uh, – Dual player we're going to see in yeah. MLB since Ruth. I think that's it. It's I called it's, that. Uh, Ike Davis. I called that five years ago. I, I, I called <laughs> doing that with the first baseman, and nobody listened to me. And now he's out of baseball. But I would do that with a, a reliever, not a starter. But nobody listens to me. You know, now no, I'm mad. He's not, he's not out of baseball. He's not out of baseball. He's, he's a pitcher. Yeah. He's a free he's a agent. Pitcher. Free agent lefty. He's a lefty free agent. He's Ooh. a free yeah, just like um. Jordan Fish, Jordan, the kid from Atlanta, is a is a is a two way guy too now. Um, the speedster center fielder, uh, he's with the Cardinals as a pitcher too, mm-hmm. lefty. Jordan Schaefer. I, I hear Tebow starting to throw too. That sounds easy. Yeah. Honestly, um, I I would go with the boring answer. Obviously, I just I want the, I want the original five that we were. We were all talking about. I think they they got one more shot to to not be um, to not be a disaster, or not be that 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 bunch that never made it. And um, if they're all healthy and they're all dealing, I just can't I can't see how when you finally finally get the chance to see them all as a unit, we don't do it. I I just can't I can't do it. You know I can't see it any other way. So I would send Vargas to the pen. Goodbye Vargas. But um, there we go. That's my opinion. Um, I like it. All right. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's uh, been a lot of fun. I, uh, I missed you guys, and I hope um, I hope we'll have a lot more like this going forward. Every Sunday, good stuff. Absolutely. Good night. <laughs>